Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. We received this email not too long ago. Hi guys, have truly enjoyed the series and looking forward to more episodes. Was wondering what you might think of The Man Who Sold His Soul. Beyond Midnight was a pretty obscure South African production in the 1970s, but they absolutely put heart and voice into this one. Thanks for your time and a fantastic podcast. Well, that comes from Lionel, and that's what we're going to do, Lionel. This week we present... Beyond Midnight, The Man Who Sold His Soul. Beyond Midnight was a South African radio horror anthology series that ran from 1968 to 1970 on Springbok Radio. Michael McCabe served as producer and adapted stories for the series. The recordings that are available have no announcer or lead-in whatsoever, so it's possible the regular host or announcer was edited out of the recordings that we now have. How many episodes were produced and how many exist? It's not known or at least agreed upon. Michael McCabe was born in England, did some acting in Kenya before ending up at Springbok Radio in South Africa. He was a highly regarded writer-producer who created many radio series, including The Avengers, Beyond Midnight, Personal Column, SF-68, The Searchers, Suspense, and Wheels. The adapted stories for Beyond Midnight include works by Ray Bradbury, Charles Dickens, E. Nesbitt, H.G. Wells, and many more. So here you go, Lionel. Beyond Midnight, the man who sold his soul. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. money could buy, the rich they would live, and the poor they would toy. I 
thinking of going inside. It's, uh... It must have been a fine house. It was a grand house in its day, sir. Dollar and house in the Sars field. Sir Dominic Sars field was the last of the owner's stock. <laughs> he lost his life not six foot away from where you're sitting. Biotex, the new soak and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight by Michael McCabe. Just soak, just soak in Biotex. Just soak, just soak in Biotex. Just soak, just soak in Biotex. If you have wondered how to get your washing really stain-free... Understand this. Biotex removes the stains and dirt washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Stains, grass stains, tiresome collar and cup stains, ingrain dirt, soil and grime. Out they all come and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Use it for cottons, silks, woolens, synthetics. Use it to make new again. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt, but washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Yeah. Hey, do you mind that mortar? Seven or eight feet off the ground, sir. Yes. He had seven foot off the ground, sir. Maybe eight. Did you not mind what it is? Well, I... I, I dare say not. Unless it's a stain from the weather. Oh, it is not in so lucky, sir. Not in so lucky. That's a splash of brains and blood. It's there at a hundred years and it'll never leave while the war stands. He was murdered then? Worse than that, sir. Killed himself, perhaps? Oh, worse than that, it served this cross between us and harm. I'm older than I look, sir. <laughs> you wouldn't guess me years. Well, I... Oh, don't be put out by the hump on me back. It's been there since me birth, and I no longer mind it. <laughs> you know, it might throw a man into a quandary if he's asked to tell me years, hmm? Well, I would say you were five and fifty. Huh? <laughs> I was seventy-nine last cattle, mass. I'm five and fifty, all right. And something at the back of it, too. <laughs> well, I, I can hardly believe it. But you don't remember Sir Dominic Sarsfield's death, do you? No, sir. That was a long while before I was born. But my grandfather was bottler here long ago. And many a time I heard tell how Sir Dominic came by his death. It must have been one of the most... Beautiful houses in the whole island in its day. The wind ripped the roof and the rain rotted the timber. And little by little, in 80 years' time, it came to what you see. It was I have a liking for it still, for the sake of old times. I never come this way, but I take a look in. I, I don't wonder you like it, though. Beautiful spot. Never seen such noble trees. Yeah, I wish you'd seen the clean when the knots was ripe. They're the sweetest knots in all Ireland, I think. You'd fill your pockets while you'll be looking about you. Fine, fine old wood. Gee, your honor, 
The woods about here is not into what they were. All the mountains along here was wood when my father was a cartoon, and my own wood was the grandest of them all. All oak, mostly, and all cut down as bad as the road. Not one left here that's fit to compare with them. In which way did your honor come hither from Limerick? No, no, Kalala. Well, then you passed the crown where Maroa Wood was in the former times. You came under Lisnafora, the state knob of the hill above the village here. It was near that Maroa Wood was. And was there, Sir Dominic Sarsfield, first met at ever. And she said, Lord, between us and harm. And a bad meeting it was for him and his. The, the devil? Aye, the devil. What, what happened, Sir Dominic and... <laughs> Sit ye down, Your Honor. And maybe I'll tell a tale that'll make your hair stand up on end. Yes. Yes, I'd... I'd like to... <laughs> it was a fine state when Sir Dominic came to it. Ah, feasting and fiddling, three quarters for all the fiddlers for many miles around. There was wine by the hogshake for the quality, and beer and cider enough to float the navy for the boys and girls and the likes of me. Oh, there was money, me boy, oh, there was money. And when Sir Dominic came to power, he set about getting rid of it. Been educated in England, you know, spoke with the lardy dye tongue. He showed off his dogs and horses, and he travelled in France, and he had a great time of it. But once he was gone merry-making for so long, not a folk heard tell of him for three years or more. Though the police was kept off course, waiting on his return, and my grandfather ran the house attending on Sir Dominic's coming back, you see. Then, one night, one wild night was, apparently, Sir Dominic did come back. There came a rapping on the window. And old Connor Hanlon, the bottom of my grandfather, was sitting by the fire, warming his shins. Who knocks there? Who calls? Will you have ale? And you must need food, sir. Oh, never mind all that, Connor. Sit down. Sit here. Sit opposite me. Oh, I want to talk with you. And don't be afraid to say what you think. And why should I be afraid, Master Dominic? Yourself was always a good master to me, and so was your father, as he saw before you. And I'll say the truth, and dad a dimmer, and more than that for any sarsfield of the northern, much less yourself. And good right I'll have. It's all over with me, Con. Heaven forbid. It is past praying for. The last guinea's gone. The old priest will follow it. It must be sold. And I'm come here. I don't know why. To have a last look around me. Like a lost ghost. Before I go off into the dark again. It was the gambling and... The drinking and the womanizing. <laughs> but enough of that. Listen to me. If you should hear of my death, be sure to give the yeah. oak box. Yes, the oak Last. box in the closet, Con, to my cousin Pat Sarsfield in Dublin. And the sword and the pistols my grandfather carried at Achrim and, and 
two or three more trifling things of the kind. Come. Come, they say, if the devil gives you money overnight, you find nothing but a bag full of pebbles and chips and nuts in the morning. If I thought he played fair, I'm in the humor to make a bargain with him tonight. Lord forbid. They say the country is full of men enlisting soldiers for the King of France. If I light on one of them, I'll not refuse his offer. How contrary things go. How long is it since Captain Waller and me fought the duel at Newcastle? Six years, Master. And you broke his thigh with the bullet the first shot. I did, Con. I did. And I wish instead it shot me through the heart. Have you any whiskey? Oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. running out to the stable and seeing your horse for you, Miss Harry. I'm not going to the stable. I may as well tell you, for you find it out anyway. I'm going across the deer park. If I come back, you'll see me in an hour's time, but anyway, you'd better not follow me, for if you do, I'll shoot you. That'll be a poor ending to our friendship. With that, he walks out into Arthur Weather, leaving me grandfather with a heavy heart. He went down towards Moreau Wood, and I guess he made up his mind that if no better came to himself between that and there, he'd hang himself from one of the oak branches with his crevasse. And the weather cleared itself away anyhow. The night got finer, though it was still cold. The whiskey had cleared his head, no doubt, and he was thinking of enlisting to be sure in the French King's army... When he walked into the wood and sat down, he knew full well that a man might take his own life any time. What does it puzzle him to take it back again? In despite the cold, he was almost fallen asleep when he spied a fine gentleman coming to meet him. I guess he was a handsome man like himself and wore a cocked hat with cord lace around it, such as officers wear on the coats. And he had an address such as French officers wore in them times. He came and stopped in front of Sir Dominic, and the two gentlemen took off their hats to one another. I am recruiting, sir, for my sovereign. And you'll find my money won't turn into pebbles, chips, and nutshells by tomorrow. And I'm thinking, sir, that that gentleman pulls out a big pack of money and gold. And the minute he sets eyes upon him, Sir Dominic must have felt the very hair stand up straight on his head.
I feel like a new man. It's a lovely day today. I thought you had flu. I took a grandpa headache powder, and I'm worlds better. When colds and flu are about, grandpa headache powders are what you need. Grandpa headache powders work fast because they dissolve almost immediately. Grandpa makes all those dreadful flu symptoms disappear quickly. So, whenever you're in pain, get fast relief. Get Grandpa Headache Powders. Ah, Grandpa. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Stains, grass stains, collar and cuff stains, ingrain dirt, soil and grime. Out they come and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt that washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. The money won't burn you. If it proves honest gold and if it prospers with you, I'm willing to make a bargain. This is the last day of February. I'll serve you seven years, and at the end of that time, you'll serve me. And I'll come for you when the seven years are over. When the clock turns the minute between February and March, and the 1st of March, you'll come away with me, or never. You'll not find me a bad master. I love my own, and I command all the pleasures and glory of the world. And if you'd rather wait for eight months and 28 days before you sign the writing, you may, if you meet me here. But I can't do a great deal for you in the meantime. If you don't sign then, all you get from me up to that time will vanish away. And you'll be just as you are tonight, and ready to hang yourself on the first tree you meet. I, I don't know, Con, what's in it? It's the heaviest load I ever carried. Open it, Con, open it! How many counted every guinea in the bag? And it took him until daylight. And he made Connor, my grandfather, swear to tell no living soul about it all. And Sir Dominic went about spending the gold in the bag. And the eight months went rapidly away. And the appointed day drew close. And his debts began to pile up all around him. And by the time the night of the 28th came round, he was almost ready to lose his senses with all the demands that was rising up against him. And nothing to meet him. But the help of one dreadful, he had to depend on at night in the awkward down there below. Ah. You found the money good, but it was not enough. No matter. You shall have enough and to spare. I'll see after your luck and I'll give you a hint whenever it can serve you. Any time you want to see me, 
You only have to come down here and call my face to mind and wish me present. You shan't owe a shilling by the end of the year. And you shall never miss the right card, the best throw, or the winning horse. Are you willing? Uh, willing. Take this needle. I require three drops of blood from your arm. I shall catch each drop in this acorn cup. Break your arm. Now. is sealed and can never be broken. Henry Dominic was soon out of debt. Then he took off his old ways again and everything was fine. But there was not a poor man on the estate. That was not happier than Sir Dominic. Now the years passed, sir. Ton Aaron was alive again. Music, happy one singing. All were happy except the master. The morning never ran out, just as the queer one Sir Dominic met by the oak sward would not. The years passed and the seventh approached fast. And Sir Dominic grew more and more out of humor. Took to go on for solitary rides, sometimes at night. Finally... He lost heart altogether and sent for the priest. No more to tell, Father. That's how it is with me. That's how it's been for six and more years. I've only ten months to run now. What can I do, Father? Is there aught? And I've had no idea. No idea. But what, Father? My soul's lost. No. No, I... I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you. Ten months, you say. Ten months to run. You must give over doicing. And you must give over swearing and drinking. And all bad company. You must live a virtuous life. A steady, blameless life. Until the seven years bargain is out. You must live as if in retreat. Oh. Dominic, Dominic, for money, for good luck and dross, your soul, man. I wish I'd never been born. Never say that. The months went quickly, and Sir Dominic lived a blameless life. Not a curse passed his lips, not a dice did he throw, not a wild dance did he lead. Never looked at a loose woman. You may guess he felt queer enough when the morning of the 28th of February came. The priest came again by appointment, and for hours they prayed together till the clock struck twelve. Sir Dominic and his reverence were together in the room, you see, and kept up their prayers till the clock struck twelve, 
and an end of February for that year. He may as well have a pleasant evening. After all, he's fasted and praying. He sent round a half a dozen of his neighboring gentlemen to come and dine with him. <laughs> and there was no end to the wine. And soon the cards came out and the guineas began to change hands. And his reverence who stayed crept away when he saw the way the nights was going. <laughs> and the party became drunk and sure enough and lasted until the next morning. Whereupon the gentleman took breakfast and slept out a day, only to begin again the next day. All right, now let's lay up again now. I never had it. I ever sat down upon with my friends. <laughs> it ain't the first of March. What? It ain't the first of March. What is it then? It is the 29th of February. Leap year. Gentlemen downstairs, a queer gentleman, if ever I see one. Huh? Tell your master, says he, in as awful a voice as I ever did hear. Tell your master that I'm here by appointment. Huh? And expect him downstairs huh? by appointment. No! Gentlemen, I can't come down yet! Gentlemen! For pity's sake, will any of you jump from the window bring the priest here? <laughs> I'm serious! I haven't said, gentlemen! Master, he says, unless you come down right away, he'll come up to you. I... I, I don't... Understand this. I'll see what it means. Turn to your noble wind. With a face as if he was to meet the hangman. Downstairs to meet what? And when he reaches the bottom, his gentleman is there to meet him. And directly that one sees him, he catches Sir Dominic up in his arms. And carries him out the great door. Oh, and the queer one carries her Dominic outside and whirls him round high with the strength of a beast and crashes his head upon the wall. Sir Dominic was a corpse. 
there was not a gasp left in him. Pat Donovan was coming up to the house early the next morning. And after he passed the little brook, his dog that was by his side makes a sudden wheel and runs howling by that wall there. And that minute, two men passed Donovan in complete silence. One of them looked like Sir Dominic, and the other, Savus, was like nothing on earth. They made no sound with their feet, and only the dog howled fit to wake the dead. And later, Donovan found the master's body lying there, by the wall, on that spot. The head smashed, and the body cold and stiff. It's late. I must, I must get back to the village now. And I'll be leaving too. Good night to you, old man. God bless you. If you have wondered how to get your washing really stain-free, understand this. Biotex removes the stains and dirt washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Stains, grass stains, tiresome collar and cup stains, ingrain dirt, soil and grime. Out they all come and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Use it for cottons, silks, woolens, synthetics. Use it to make new again. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt, but washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Beyond Midnight is presented every Friday night at half past nine by Biotex, the new soak and pre-wash powder. The program is adapted for broadcasting and produced by Michael McCabe. That was The Man Who Sold His Soul from the series Beyond Midnight, which was a series that ran... Uh, from 1968 to 1970 in South Africa on something called Springbok Radio. Uh, Not a very well-known series, and that was a request by a listener named Lionel. And uh, there you have it. So uh, let's let's start this thing. All right. Where are we at on this? What's Uh, your first impressions, Tim? uh, I'd like to say, Lionel, I loved this episode to bits. Uh, I'm so glad I had never heard of this series. Uh, I'll be curious to hear what the other gentlemen here at the table think as well, but uh, I'm excited about it. I liked it a lot. I just want to say, just soak. Just soak <laughs> for biotechs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you, uh, three guys in harmony telling you to use soap is a little unnerving. 
kind of not very appealing, so biotechs. No, I, I'm sorry. I enjoyed the episode as well, but I have been chanting, just soak. Just, <laughs> just soak, soak for biotechs well, the, ever since I listened to this. Oh, yeah. How about the three of us do it right now? Just, just soak. Just soak for biotechs. Oh, um, I actually found, and we'll The, the alarming here. moan for Grandpa was another <laughs> ad in there that... Gave me pause. Well, Grandpa, it's, headache powder sounds like uh, a code for something more nefarious. <laughs> well, I Googled biotechs and I found me some... Me too. I couldn't find yeah. anything. Really? I found some guy who had done this sort of dance remix of the Just Soap, <laughs> Just Soap for biotechs. Oh, my it God. It actually samples some dialogue from this episode. So we will, well, we will we'll link, link to for it. that, yeah. Some guy called Looperman. <laughs> How do you do this? I looked everywhere. How did you spell biotechs? Like you would. Bio and then text. Silent H. Well, I couldn't find anything. But then again, if it's not on the first page of Google, I'm out. Here's what happened. So uh, Lionel sent us a link to something on YouTube. And I listened to it, you ready? Five times. And the reason was there were a lot of things that I was having a difficult time with. First of all, the accent, uh, especially of the giant leprechaun guy. I was having a hard time acclimating to the accent. I couldn't understand what was going on. And, and then I started to notice that there was this music playing that didn't not only seem to not match what was going on, but it seemed more recent. Like there was a tonal quality to it. Mm-hmm. And then I really, it was playing underneath the Biotex commercial and all that. And I went, wait a minute. I realized that someone had posted this on YouTube. First of all, it's a terrible recording. And made it much harder to hear things like accents when it's the recording is hard to hear. And the music underneath it was added by this guy, whoever did it, some organ stuff. So I went and I searched some more, and I found a really clean version, which is the one you all just heard just now, uh, listeners included. So when I went back and listened to it, now again, I had to acclimate a little bit, like, you know, when you watch Train Spotting, it takes about five minutes into that movie before it starts to, <laughs> that accent starts to click, and you're like, oh, okay, I know what they're saying. Um, I then really enjoyed the episode, but I'm not sure if I enjoyed it because I could finally understand it, <laughs> and I was relieved, or if it was great. But uh, Tim's reaction was interesting. I didn't know if you guys were going to like it or not. It's a very classic trope of selling your soul and being down on your luck. So mm-hmm. there's nothing too surprising. However, what I enjoyed about it was the depiction of the devil. I found particularly disturbing and also had some actual folklore and theology behind it. It wasn't like a typical old time radio thing that you might hear in a, a lesser piece where they're just sort of like, hey, the devil, uh, you know, he did uh, not right. challenge our protagonist to a, a fiddle contest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that a strike against it? <laughs> yeah. He was very, um, well, he's a recruiter and, yeah. and, well, he did say also, you'll find me to be a good master. What yep, he says, I love my own. Yeah. And he says, and I command all the pleasures and glory of the world. So he's making all these sweet promises. And also, from a theological point of view, he is saying, I am, I am the master of this world. I am the fallen angel who controls this world. And but he's so, not, Yeah, he's not the boss. He's not. He makes reference, right? Yeah. He's a messenger, yes. The, the first the, guy's a messenger, not the second guy who shows up. At the party at the door. It's unclear. It's unclear. Yeah. I, I, but I, I will tell you that what I loved about this episode was that moment. Traditional trope of selling your soul and then counting the days and then everything goes well and blah, blah, blah. And then the devil shows up and it's not to pay your dues. Here's what I didn't expect and terrified me. Grabs him and 
crushes him into a wall. Yeah, yeah. I that love was... that tone shift. Of just yeah. Grabbed him by the ankles and cracked his head open. Just, yeah. ah, whack! Well, and did you catch at the beginning, and again, this is an accent thing, and, you know, and I struggle, especially with the Irish accent. Like, I still don't know what marshmallows are in Lucky Charms, because <laughs> I, I can't quite discern... You know, what What exactly, it's like yellow stars, pink pantaloons, <laughs> green somethings. Anyway, there's a, there's a moment in the beginning where he says, the old guy telling him the story, mm-hmm. yeah, this wall, the, what you see on the wall is blood and brains. They, mm-hmm. they can't get washed off. They've been there forever. They'll so be there as long that. as the wall is. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a great callback to that and how they get there. And just goes downstairs, grabs him, ah, bam, wow, okay, that's over. <laughs> That idea of a beast disguised as a gentleman, mm, I, it, it's yeah. sort of scary. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know what they're capable of. I, on, on that Irish brogue, I, I loved it because I I feel like I've got a pretty decent ear for it. And, like, you, you gave this the clean copy. And, like, a third of what he said, I just didn't get. A th- it was still hard. A third, I understood the words, but still didn't understand what he was saying. And a third, I got and that seemed par for the course and accurate. Like that seemed like I'm doing okay. His accent softens once he starts telling the actual story of Sir Dominic. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's trying yeah. to do the scary kind of red herring at the beginning as, as a hook. Like, who is this strange, like is it hunchback, giant, yeah. <laughs> hunchback leprechaun who's like, um, and, and he might be overdoing it a little bit uh, from a performance point of view. Let's talk about the beginning. Yeah. I have some questions. First of all, I think that the man talking to the house at the beginning is uh, a little too intimate. Look at you, house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, su- it sucks you in. The, bur- the bird yeah. song. And, you like that? Um, I thought it was I, weird. I, I like I the return it to it at the end. Second, who is he? That's bugging me. Like, this guy was just out for a walk in the woods and found a house? I think there's an argument that this might be stronger without the framing sequence. Correct. Um, however, there are some thematic things that I think... Mr. McCabe was trying to do with that sequence. He opens this story with, he's like, oh, these beautiful ruins. He's sort of romanticizing this destruction. And then he gets told this story and suddenly all this beautiful nature around him, the tweeting birds all suddenly have a slightly sour note. Yeah, I like it exactly for that reason. Yeah, I do like the framing of it because we get to see, quote, see the, the brains and the blood on the wall and that it doesn't wash away. And then we get called back to that. Uh, and he specifically says that a person died six feet from where you are right, right. now. And he essentially, through his story, haunts the environment. So it serves more of a thematic function than a narrative. It was one. just, you liked him talking to himself to the house and, look at you, house. <laughs> you used to be nice. I, will I, I think you have the tone right, and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Do it some more, is what Tim's saying. I'll call you later, Tim. <laughs> I go home and talk to my house. <laughs> I hear you, Eric, and I can understand it, uh, what you're saying. It did seem like it took a long time to get to the story yes. proper. However, it won me over by the end. Did anybody see the leap year shenanigan coming? No. I didn't either, and I feel dumb, because it seems so obvious in retrospect. And there had some ambivalence there. There was the leap year, and then there was also this, again, this sort of theological idea of piety without conviction. Yeah, yeah. Um, where the second the clock ticked, he's like, my pants are flying <laughs> off, it's party time! <laughs> Where are the ladies? Where's the booze? And well, so there, there's a double trap of like, oh, I was just off on the date, but it also 
showed that the devil gave him enough time to show his true colors. Yeah. Well, and that, so it left that was open also... that his piety, had it been true, might have worked despite it being leap year. Exactly. There's a question mark there. Right. You don't the, know. The father told him if, if you spend these last 10 months clean and, mm-hmm. and nice and be a good kid, and he did, uh, the, you're, you're right. We don't know. Hook you up. <laughs> the, the devil might have come and went, all right. I don't, I don't think sure. so, though. I don't think that's how it works. Is there a loophole in that? Like it's a real thing. Listen, <laughs> it's a major religion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> selling your soul is believed by. I mean, but no, um, that's that's the folklore aspect of it. Also, in this weird extra trial period of eight months and twenty eight days, too. Of like, you don't even have to sign. I'll just give you stuff for near a year. Yeah, that's a little used car salesman. <laughs> yeah, and then he does, and like that was enough to make me need more. Yeah, yeah, he got a free year he didn't have to sign right yeah that's dumb i mean if he didn't sign everything he got would go away and they made the point that he still burned through it he burned through it and he was still desperate it was not enough and that i think again is another thematic thing of i I have all these earthly pleasures to offer you and if you're just here for that it's never enough more more, it's gonna be me you give me the lottery i'll be (laughs) broken a month i just love that discussion when this guy at the very start when he comes home and he's talking to his servant about I'm in ruins. I'm going to go off and hang myself. I mean, that's not what... He said yeah. it so much more Shoot elegantly. Himself, right? Yeah. Well, no, he, he talked about hanging himself. He's going to go... Did he? He didn't talk about it. Yeah, it was narrated and he was probably going to go find But he took his person. gun with him. He said, if you follow me, I'll shoot you. Yeah. The reason it's kind of ambiguous, I think, is because it was it was so clear, but yet unspoken. And he had enough regret to just kind of go off into the woods, but not enough to actually change his ways. And then again, he goes through what... Six years and two months before he goes. Oh crap! It's almost seven years. I gotta, I, now I'm, I'm going to yeah, talk to a priest quick. And I did not see that coming. That when the clock struck midnight and he thought the deal was over, when he decided like let's party, I thought that was <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, I didn't see the leap year thing and the loophole and all of that. But again, the thing that really shocked me that I did not see coming was him just being grabbed and slammed into a wall. That was mm-hmm. a tone shift. That was fantastic. Comes that downstairs, was where... just picks him up like a baby. Yeah, I will yeah. tell you that up until that point, I was ambivalent on this story. But that moment was like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> wait, a, that's how you kill I'm a guy. I'm wondering if there's a period, because this was late 60s, early 70s. So this is, I can't ascribe this too much to being of a time, but it feels like an older sort of fairy tale story, mm-hmm. whereas we're more used to these days something being either for kids or abstractly moralistic, or it's very much shocking and gory. And that there was a time when stories could be both. It could be abstract and have a moral, but it also yeah. would have these shocking, grisly moments. It was intellectual and horrific, both, uh, which yeah. you don't mm-hmm. see a lot of in this era. I, I, I'm, I'm hesitating to bring this up because I'm not sure what our future holds or what we're going to do on this podcast, but I'll talk wow, about it. Wow, you sold anyway. your soul to the devil, didn't you? Right. <laughs> uh, in seven years' time, this is over. <laughs> yeah, I sold my soul for all 114 of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seven years of a podcast, and then you get smashed against a wall by the devil. <laughs> South Africa, do you know about South Africa and it, Never heard and, of it. and the radio? <laughs> Let me try that I did not know. I, so I South Africa vaguely had a know huge boom with that is as much as I know. Radio mystery. There is so much mystery and debate surrounding all of South African radio shows. For example, some say they had radio stations broadcasting old-time radio dramas in the 30s. Others say nope. 
They didn't have radio until the 50s in South Africa. This is not only debated, they're trying to figure this out. Isn't that crazy? Like, they don't know. There's no record keeping. Like, There's we know sh- stuff about ancient Rome. Right. But 1950 <laughs> but South a, Africa. Right. They, we just aren't real sure. There's a show called, and I'd really like to do it on this podcast, uh, called Moon Over Africa. And it's 26 yes. episodes long. And it's not only a great series and very scary and all that, but the show itself is a mystery. No one knows where it came from. No one knows any of the actors in it. No one knows when it aired. No one knows one thing about it other than it's on the internet in full. And the reason I bring that up is uh, because we're not sure on this from 1968 to 1970 this aired. No one's really sure how many episodes of this were done. Nobody's really sure how many exist online. Some are online with different names. Um, So this show is brand new to us. And it's another in a long line of these mystery is a radio shows that came from South Africa that are now popping up more and more on the internet as people are trying to figure out that mystery. Does that it's make very sense? interesting. This show being part of a South African legacy of old time radios in that it is so British. It is so much English countryside and the mystery of, of Irish brogue people. <laughs> yeah. I would say that I thoroughly enjoyed uh, listening to this and, and I liked it a lot especially the ending <laughs> yeah I would say this this stands the test of time it was weird because it wasn't quite suspenseful because I thought I knew everything that was going to happen but then they would surprise me in little ways I really enjoyed it I, I think that I'm going to hold back a little on I think it does stand the test of time I, I'm not going to call it a classic one of the best ever anything. I, I, the framing of it uh, I found unnecessary especially at the end where the story's over and it's literally, okay, well, thanks for the story. Got to go. <laughs> you know, like it, it's just not, I don't need those two characters for this mm-hmm. to happen or very little of them. Uh, so I'll give that a strike against it. But other than that, I thought it was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I don't know that I would say classic, but if anything, it's because I'm trying to compensate for my my personal joy over listening to it because I really did enjoy it. I'd love to hear more of this this series. Uh, the framing device I liked very much. Like like we were saying earlier, I, when we came back to the birds tweeting and this sort of it, what was once a pleasure in this decayed sort of place now it feels very dark and foreboding. So yes, I personally enjoyed it very much. Also because it's not quite golden age. Calling it, saying it's the test of time is not as much time. You were still talking 40 years ago, 30 years ago. What are you saying? <laughs> You're old, Tim, is what I'm saying. But I, I thought it stood the test of time. I ended up really liking the framing sequence. It hooked me because at first I was like, what is this about? So I kept my interest trying to figure it out. And then I really liked how small the ending was when it came back, that this guy had been just gutted. Where he just says, you know, well, good night old man and god bless and it has this sort of like i'm gonna go back to my cottage or wherever i'm staying and not sleep for the yeah, rest of my stay I'm gonna here. go pray for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought that last little moment was effective and that bird song that was so pretty in the beginning just like the guy hearing the story suddenly it felt sinister all right so i'm wrong <laughs> no, it's just no, my no. interpretation of it. I can totally see. I even put in my notes, is this necessary, question mark? Because I was trying to figure out what was the significance of the framing right. sequence. So you're not wrong. <laughs> so often, in so many works I've done, like there's a framing sequence, like, no, I'm attached to this. It's got to stay. I'm going <laughs> to hold on to this for dear life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you, Lionel, thank for you, Lionel. suggesting this. It was a lot Very of much. fun. And if you have suggestions and things you'd like us to critique or 
talk about, please let us know. Uh, you can do that by going to ghoulishdelights.com. Uh, not only will you find old episodes of this podcast, you'll find information about our live shows. You'll find a contact page where you can get a hold of us. And if you have an episode you'd like us to have on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll just forewarn you that there are some specific, very classic episodes that we're saving for uh, landmark 50th episodes, 100th episodes, things like that. But for the most part, 2,000 episodes. Seven years when we finally uh, owe our service to our Dark Master. <laughs> also, you can go to iTunes and write a review of this podcast. Write a review of other podcasts, too. I'm not limiting the scope of your actions by any means. But please make sure you include this podcast in your reviews, because uh, we like to hear from you. And uh, also a reminder, at ghoulishdelights.com, the live shows Tim is talking about uh, will be uh, posted up there. And we do recreations of these old-time radio shows with a stellar cast. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's the uh, who's the next one? Is it you, Tim? I believe it is me. Uh, next, we are going to be revisiting Hall of Fantasy with an episode entitled "Man Size in Marble." Until then, look out!